are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we are, another Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode. Brian Peacock here of Locked On 49ers. I am with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. Uh, there's a huge matchup happening this weekend. It seems to be an every week occurrence now for the 49ers with the way uh, the schedule has laid out. 10-2 versus 10-2. Currently the one seed in the NFC in the New Orleans Saints at home welcoming the 10-2 San Francisco 49ers. Uh, a lot of good battles Ross, between the 49ers and Saints over the years, and this one might be one of the best of all as far as regular season goes. I, I can't wait for this one. I am so excited for this matchup, and this is one that I've kind of had circled in the calendar for a while once both of these teams started off on the trajectory that they started off uh, throughout this season. Both top two top teams in the NFC, uh, you know, top teams in the NFL in, in many ways, too, and through many eyes, and so this should be a really fun matchup to watch and a uh, really good game this Sunday. You mentioned that you listened to Locked On NFL, which I also co-host with former NFL scout Matt Williamson. And preseason, I picked the New Orleans Saints to win the Super Bowl. And now I have to back down on that because now I have to go with the 49ers <laughs> as the Super Bowl champion. But, I mean, that's how good this matchup is. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. I'm super excited for it. And uh, I think we should just jump into this. Let's take a look at what the 49ers on offense will be looking at against the Saints defense. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, look, when it comes to the Saints defense here, a uh, big part, you know, they're coming off of a really big game last week where they had nine sacks. They also forced four different turnovers, including a punt block. And so they're coming into this game uh, pretty high off of that Thanksgiving win in Atlanta. But they're going to have their it's kind of a tall task ahead of them in terms of limiting what it is that San Francisco loves to do on the ground. And I'll, I'll say this, too. I think that there were a lot of people, uh, fans that love the Saints that watched that. Uh, San Francisco and Baltimore game on Sunday and said that San Francisco looks like and the big trigger phrase being a beatable team. But there's a lot of different factors that you have to take into consideration, weather uh, conditions, things like that, of course, that went on in that game. But I think that the Saints are going to have their hands full against a pretty, pretty uh, staunch running attack uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Is that something that you feel like they're going to try to rely on and, and, and keep true to? Yeah, definitely. The Shanahan family tree, and I'm sure Kyle Shanahan's mm -hmm. son, when he becomes an NFL head coach, will want to run the heck out of the football, too. That's just uh, that's just in the family business. And so a lot of outside zone run and then a lot of play action pass working off that to simplify things. That's what Shanahan, his offense is all about. So the wide zone, getting that speed, whether it's Matt Breida, we'll see if he's back. He's dealing with an ankle injury. Don't have any solid uh, reports on him. They thought he might go last week, which makes me think Brita is going to go this week. So the 49ers might have their full complement of running backs. All are, you know, four, three guys. Raheem Mostert was the man last week, ran for 146 yards. He's got track speed. Tevin Coleman was a four, three guy coming out of college. So uh, that's what they try to do and win with a lot of speed on the outside with that wide zone front and then play action pass with Jimmy Garoppolo and right now Jimmy Garoppolo's weapons in the passing game are as good as they've been all season because the rookie Debo Samuel is developing and it's been an up and down development curve as it is for all rookie wide receivers in the NFL and I think he was swimming mentally earlier in the season and now he's just entrenched as the starter across from a guy they added a few weeks ago in Emmanuel Sanders so it's the best that group has looked with with Sanders getting healthy from his earlier rib injury and of course George Kittle now getting healthy 
both Sanders and Kittle were out against the Seahawks when they lost a few weeks ago. So the 49ers passing game, I think, has potential to be as good as it has been all season down the stretch, which is a great sign because I think consistency in the passing game, uh, really consistency on offense is what has held the 49ers back, I think, because the defense has just been a monster. So Jimmy Garoppolo getting more reps in Shanahan's system. The pass catchers improving, I think, for Jimmy Garoppolo at the same time is really the recipe the 49ers were hoping to see as this season goes along. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that makes this matchup pretty tough for the Saints defense coming in is that you're looking at a San Francisco team that's getting better and better in many different ways over their offense. But in terms of their run pass split, I believe they're running the ball 51 percent, passing the ball 49 percent. They love the run game. But now that they're starting to be able to produce with the comfort that they're gathering over in the passing game, that adds another level and another element that the Saints defense has to be ready for. The Saints defense losing a couple of guys last week, uh, not huge, but Kiko Alonzo, the linebacker that they traded for from the Miami Dolphins early on in the season, he went down with a thigh injury. We'll get some more information on him, much like your uh, your your sort of scenario with Matt Breed. I don't have a bunch on how Kiko Alonzo is doing at the moment, but we'll learn more uh, coming up within the next couple of days. And then AJ Klein, I believe, just straight up got benched at one point because of his poor performance. And we've seen him. I do every Tuesday. I do a top five, bottom three for pro football focus grades, offense and defense. And he's pretty consistently in that bottom three uh, for the defense. So they finally kind of put him over to the bench. The Saints signing Manti Teo back to the team uh, today, which either tells you that, you know, one of those guys, whether it be Kiko Alonso or AJ Klein, isn't expected to be around very much over these next couple of games. And the reason why I bring up the second level in particular is because when you look at what Jimmy Garoppolo has done in terms of the passing game, and especially with weapons like George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, who can be tough in the middle, um, Debo Samuel, who's proving that, and all of those receiving backs, is that Jimmy Garoppolo in the passing offense do a lot of work in the middle of the field. And for the Saints, they're going to have to be able to close that off, particularly in the intermediate area. I know uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 72% of his passes to the intermediate area are in the middle of the field. So that's going to be a big task for the Saints who are losing some depth at that second level and are going to need to be able to perform so that if they do make Jimmy Garoppolo and the, Saint, and the 49ers offense one-dimensional, which is always their goal week to week to week, whether or not they're going to be able to do it remains to be seen, but that's their goal then they'll need to be able to clamp up in the middle in order to keep the uh, San Francisco 49ers from able to move the ball pretty easily up and down the field. Yeah, it's a matchup I'm looking forward to because uh, I think the opposite side of the ball, the 49ers defense against the Saints offense is the marquee matchup here. But mm-hmm. um, really how the 49ers are able to run the ball, I think will set the tone with how this entire game script will go for both teams. And I wonder about, so when the 49ers if they are running the ball okay and they're in good down and distance situation and the the play action pass is working a little bit, uh, I'm wondering who the 49ers wide receivers that I mentioned earlier will be seeing in the secondary, how those young guys in the secondary are coming along. I really liked Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Actually, he's just now CJ. Yes, CJ Gardner Johnson. CJ Gardner Johnson. Okay, (laughs) it's a a mouthful either way, but um, yeah, I liked him coming out of the draft. Uh, I thought he was a steal where the Saints picked him up. Uh, They've got a lot of young talent in that secondary. Is that still the strength of the defense right now? Uh, I'd say that the strength of the defense right now is actually on the defensive line. They've got about eight or nine guys. They usually dress eight guys, five in the interior, three on the on the edge, with Mario Edwards Jr. being one of those guys who can play 
on both. You know, he can play in the middle. He can play on the outside as well. And so I'd say the defensive line has actually become the strength for the Saints defense, getting a lot of pressure and a lot of sacks just from their front four or in some cases front three. But certainly that secondary has been uh, vastly improved from what we've seen over the last couple of years. And I mean an improvement even past these successful seasons, these last two 2017, 2018. Of course, they are a vast improvement from the three straight seven and nine seasons that were historically terrible. But Marcus Williams has come on really, really well this uh, third year. He's taken a big leap. Von Bell is improved. He's continuing every season. We see him add something to his game this season. He's being he's sort of adding that deep cover safety role to his game, which is really great to give. Marcus Williams, a little bit of a break as a single high safety. They're able to run some maybe middle of the field open looks every now and then because they have two safeties that they can trust back there. But the big story has been the, uh, you know, seeing Marshawn Lattimore come in and be that guy once more, looking a little bit more like he looked his defensive player, defensive Mm. rookie of the year season. And then you've got Eli Apple over on the other side who did have three pass interference penalties last week and just for whatever reason struggles with Calvin Ridley, but actually has looked pretty solid so far this year but they're still going to have their hands full against a really athletic group of wide receivers in this game, even down to beyond just the top two guys. There's some speedier guys toward the bottom of that, that depth chart. I don't even want to call it the bottom, but you know, within the rest of that depth chart for the 49ers as well. And so I think that they, may, they might not be the strength of their defense, but they're certainly uh, a really, really good unit back there and certainly much improved than what the Saints have won with in the past. And of course, when it comes to the 49ers offense, the best player, the really the guy that we've seen makes everything work is George Kittle because he's so good in the pass game, so good in the run game. I want to save that for segment number three when we talk about some key matchups. I want to talk about specifically George Kittle against uh, those linebackers Mm -hmm. and and maybe safeties of the New Orleans Saints. But uh, I want to get to the other side of the ball here, the 49ers defense against Drew Brees, the Saints offense. I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, let's do that one next. Guys, do you remember when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help you follow through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And they're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the cheaper, better, faster choice. BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On. We thank them sponsoring this podcast every weekend our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test so why aren't you doing the same we're almost halfway through the nfl season so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie my bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend they always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets 
of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at my bookie. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay, pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come out together on top, the rewards will be huge. The best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000 to bet at MyBookie. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your first deposit. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Locked On 49ers, Locked On Saints crossover. Brian Peacock here from Locked On 49ers with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. By the way, you can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Ross at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter. Uh, I have one question before we go any further with the 49ers defense against the Saints offense because really the big thing with the 49ers defense is the pass rush and the edge pass rush specifically that's gotten so much better and really just threatening and getting in the head and hitting and causing all kinds of problems for opposing quarterbacks, especially those that are more more likely to be in the pocket when the pass rush gets there. Now, if Drew Brees rushes for 100 yards against the 49ers like, uh, <laughs> like Lamar Jackson did last week, I will guarantee a Saints victory in this one. Uh, but I think the 49ers defense is set up like we saw against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to beat a pocket passer and get to those quarterbacks and create all kinds of problems. So my first question is, what is the health of Teron Armstead? Because I think that's going to be a huge key to this one. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'll tell you what, if Drew Brees rushes for over a hundred yards in this game, we are going to, <laughs> in, we are going to walk into just the league's most extensive drug test policy we've ever seen. Uh, that's for certain. Uh, but yes, I mean, I think that, you know, this is another one of those elements that I kind of alluded to earlier when I was saying that, you know, people saw a quote unquote beatable team, Saints fans in particular, in the 49ers game uh, is that you look at what the uh, what the Baltimore Ravens can do on offense, particularly with Lamar Jackson. And the Saints don't really have a way to replicate that. Maybe you'll see a little bit more involvement from Taysom Hill, but that'll be something we could talk about in the third segment. But uh, yes, Teron Armstead, everybody's fingers are crossed that Teron Armstead is going to be back. He's dealing with uh, an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain. We've seen people return from that this season with only a couple of weeks or only within a couple of weeks. Uh, we saw that with one of the defensive backs uh, in Dallas. We saw it happen with Traquan Smith as well earlier this season, wide receiver for the Saints, or I'll just say warm body for the Saints that runs routes. Uh, hard to call anybody outside of Michael Thomas on the Saints offense, <laughs> a wide receiver at this point. Uh, but when it, you look at what Teron Armstead has brought so far this season, he has been absolutely outstanding. And he shows, as always, that he, when healthy, is one of the best tackles in the NFL. And it, it's an unfortunate truth for the Saints and for Saints fans that you're going to be without him for a couple of games every season. So you're looking at a guy that you're going to get 12 to 14 healthy games out of if you're lucky. And so if he can return back on this game against the San Francisco 49ers, that would certainly be a huge, huge upgrade and a huge benefit for the Saints. Yeah, that entire defensive line of the 49ers with all those first round draft picks really dominated most other teams and really controlled what the game was going to look like. That's why it was so difficult for them to go up against the Ravens and not really be able to pin their ear back and go after a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, like the way they have been the rest of the season. So that's absolutely going to be a fun matchup there. The 49ers could potentially be without Richard Sherman. He got banged up last week. The bonus here 
And and really, this has been a theme for the 49ers on offense, too, is the depth that they have this year that they didn't have in years past. And guys jumping in. You talked about uh, replacing Teron Armstead and thinking about, okay, well, do we move guys around? Do we shuffle everybody around? The 49ers had that same conundrum with Joe Staley going down and then Mike McGlinchey going down and then uh, mm-hmm. Staley and Mike McGlinchey coming back, Staley hurting himself again, and now he's out again. And people are thinking, okay, well, do you put Mike McGlinchey on the left side? And uh, I'm with you. You don't want to add more question marks by shuffling people around so everybody's new at their position. Just replace the guy that's out, the one guy. And right now the 49ers have gotten a really good production out of Daniel Brunskill, who, according to Pro Football Focus, has been their highest-graded offensive lineman coming out of nowhere uh, in the AAF in the offseason. The 49ers signing him, and he's been in for... Joe Staley, so that's been a bonus. And then on the defensive side of the ball, found money with Emmanuel Mosley, cornerback who was undrafted and has just developed and, and played really well while Akella Witherspoon is out, and he might have to get the start on the other side now that Witherspoon is back if Richard Sherman is out. But I have a feeling Sherman's going to be able to go because he's just that kind of a guy. And uh, they're going to be looking at, obviously, probably right now the best wide receiver in the NFL. And I'm just blown away when I'm looking at Michael Thomas's numbers, talking with Matt Williamson on Locked On NFL. And we were like, a couple weeks ago, we were like, uh, it's week 10, and this dude's about to have 100 receptions and 1,000 <laughs> yards already. Like, what is going on? It's insane. Just talk about Michael Thomas for a second. Like, what? how was he able to? Because you know teams go in and be like, well, we don't want this guy to beat us, and he still does. So what makes him so great? Yeah, that's one of the things that's been really exciting about uh, Michael Thomas is is the fact that everyone knows the ball is going to him, and yet somehow or another, he and Drew Brees are able to find a way to connect. And not just connect, I mean, yeah, he had, what, four games in a row of eight catches and over 85 yards, three games in a row over 100 yards with eight catches. So he was outstanding uh, over that time. I think it was actually a little bit more than that, but he was, he's been outstanding this entire season uh, with all of that. And look, uh, a big part of what a lot of question marks were about this offseason coming into this year was Michael Thomas's new contract and would he find a way to perform to the level of that contract? And I think at this point you can un, un, <laughs> just sort of, you know, without any doubt say, yes, yes, he's performing to that new contract. And part of what it is that makes him so good is his, his command of the route tree, his physical nature at the line, his ability to make contested catches. I think he's catching, he at before this game, uh, this past game against the Falcons, he was catching 85% of his contested catches. He's been absolutely outstanding. And it just, it's it, it really just a matter of him being a very, very talented player and just going out there and trusting himself and having a quarterback like Drew Brees that first of all is accurate enough to put the ball where only he can catch it in even tight, tight scenarios and in tight coverage which allows him to take advantage of that. And then also just being able to have that trust between that quarterback and that wide receiver, which is kind of unmatched along the rest of the team. And uh, it's something that a lot of other teams around the NFL pursue with their quarterback to number one wide receiver uh, communication. And I think all of those things combined are what helps Michael Thomas be just this absolutely uh, unexpected guy coming into the league, first of all. You know, he was drafted pretty late, uh, later than you know, I think it was five other wide receivers that were taken ahead of him. And here he is right now making an argument for himself as the best wide receiver in the NFL. And uh, thank goodness for that, because the Saints are having some trouble finding other places to go with the football on the offensive side in the passing game. And so thankfully, you've got guys like Michael Thomas. And of course, you've got Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara who can play roles from their spots on the field as well. And the 49ers cornerbacks don't travel so even Richard Sherman, who, according to Pro Football Focus, has the lowest yards per 
coverage snap in the NFL mm-hmm. right now. He's going to stay at left corner, and if it's not him, it's going to be Emmanuel Mosley. He's going to stay at left cornerback. Akella Witherspoon will be at right cornerback. So one thing I think that is somewhat of an advantage for the 49ers is they know what they have to do. You can play fast because your assignments are somewhat simple, but at the same time, for an offensive mind like Sean Payton and a wide receiver like Michael Thomas and a quarterback like Drew Brees, now you know exactly not quite as much as it used to be. It's not as vanilla as a scheme as it once was because the 49ers this year with a new defensive line coach, with a new defensive backs coach, have changed things up a little bit more and have more too high coverage. It's not all just cover three all the time, a little bit more man coverage than before. So changing up looks a little bit, but you can kind of, as an offensive coordinator, know where the 49ers defense is going to be and try to draw things up to beat it. So I envision... Michael Thomas moving around and lining up in a lot of different spots to get him a nice matchup that they're trying to exploit. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that makes him uh, even more of a threat is the fact that you can put him on either side of the field and you can operate him from out of the slot and he can produce from any of those spots. And like you mentioned, with a guy like Sean Payton and with a quarterback like Drew Brees, when you have a piece that you can move around like that, you're definitely going to take advantage of it. I'm also curious to see exactly how it is that the Saints plan to use Taysom Hill in this game. I think that putting him under center or putting him... Uh, you know, and, and trying to kind of running those speed options that you saw with Lamar Jackson last week would actually be a little bit of a mistake on the Saints part. I think that that's something that San Francisco would welcome because don't get me wrong. Look, Taysom Hill is a great player, and I think that he's great when used in moderation and when they find the right time to utilize him in the Saints offense. We saw that twice uh, last week against the Falcons. He did a great job in terms of how and when they put him out on the field. But I think if you try to lean on him and trying to replicate too much of what the what the Ravens offense did last week, you're not going to get a Lamar Jackson type game out of Taysom Hill. So don't try. And I think that that's something that I'm a little bit wary of and something that I hear a lot of people talking about. I imagine that for the 49ers defense, if something like that were to become a major part of the game plan, that would be something they would uh, kind of welcome, I would imagine. Keep Drew Brees off the field. Yeah, that's a great point, because I think the genius of utilizing someone like Taysom Hill's skill set is that the defense doesn't know where they are and doesn't know when and how they'll be used. And as soon as you start using them a lot in one way, the defense can, you know, rally to that mm-hmm. and, and and figure out a plan to beat Taysom Hill. And so I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. I think the way you use Taysom Hill is not overuse him because right. then when he sneaks it, sneak attacks you, you know, it's, it's you're not ready for it. And I, I think that's the genius of having a player like that is that you can't really game plan for him because you don't know how he's going to be used. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what the Saints are going to need to use their advantage, sort of in the same vein of what they might do with Michael Thomas in terms of how they deploy him, where they deploy him. And even uh, for for really... Uh, I don't. I was gonna say maybe a, you know a, a lesser de, lesser degree, but not even actually when it comes to Alvin Kamara, which is somebody that we should talk about as well over on the offensive side because that's gonna be a big key matchup as well uh, for for this game. Is where does Alvin Kamara actually finally get to break out this season? I mean, he's had. Uh, you know, pretty marginal rushing numbers and receiving numbers so far in terms of what the rest of his careers look like. But he's got one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown so far this year. He's coming off of three divisional games. I'm sorry, four straight divisional games, which are teams that are very accustomed to seeing him know what it is that they need to do in order to limit him. And some of that being making sure that he's got a lot of bodies around him at the catch point, not a lot of green grass and keeping away from one on one. Uh, one-on-one matchups in front of him, making sure that everybody's going to the ball. And so, you know, you can see all of that in that division game. You've also, or in those divisional games, you've seen a couple of times where he scored touchdowns and had them called back. So where is the game that Alvin Kamara becomes a huge part of the game plan and gets 
force fed the ball, maybe not force fed the ball, but fed the ball a lot more like what we saw at the beginning of the season when it was, you know, Drew Brees was out and Teddy Bridgewater was in. When do we start to see a little bit more of that? This could be the game that you try to get that done because a big portion of what can really help the Saints here is getting a run game established themselves to help try to control time of possession and keep the ball away from San Francisco. Yeah, that's a perfect segue to segment number three and some more of our key matchups in this game because the 49ers have a guy coming into his own who's going to be a huge factor in trying to limit Alvin Kamara. So we'll get into those key matchups and make our predictions next. Are you losing sleep at night over your unfiled tax returns or the large amount you owe the IRS or any other state tax agency? Does it feel like you're trapped and that these tax problems will never go away? Are you worried the IRS will garnish your bank account or your wages? Do you want to be free and put these tax problems behind you? Greg's Tax Service is your local tax resolution specialist. Greg's Tax Service has been in the business for over 25 years and is passionate about helping their clients resolve their tax issues and to get them all the deductions and credits they're entitled to when preparing their tax returns. Call or text Greg's Tax Service at 925-778-4871 to set up an appointment to find out the best options available to free you from your tax problems. Again, that's 925-778-4871. Call or text to set up an appointment, and if you qualify, they can help you settle with the IRS for less than the full amount you owe. Remember, Greg's Tax Service for all your tax needs. Greg's Tax Service is your local tax advocate standing up and defending the rights of taxpayers. Find them online at gregstaxservice.com. The one reason, Ross, that I think that Alvin Kamara will maybe not have his breakout game this week against the 49ers is a guy who I've given a game ball to the last two straight weeks, and he was one of the NFC players of the week at linebacker, and that is Fred Warner, number 54. He has been all over the place and is really coming into his own, being one of the best, I think one of the best young inside linebackers in the entire NFL, and he's starting to get a little bit of recognition for it because he has range, and range as a tackler, range against the run. He's very smart. He's got the green dot on his helmet. He's relaying the calls. He's getting people lined up, and he's got range in coverage as well. So that makes him a really unique and and true modern NFL linebacker, and that matches up well with the strengths of what someone like Alvin Kamara can do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, when the San Francisco 49ers made the big signing of Quan Alexander over uh, the offseason, I know a lot of Saints fans are a little concerned about that, knowing that these two teams are going to be meeting later on in the season. Of course, there's been injury things and stuff like that with Quan, but, you know, look, he's somebody that's very familiar with the New Orleans Saints. And so it, it you know, play, having played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, that was somebody that whose name leapt off the page for a lot of Saints fans. And I kept saying, don't worry about him as much. Worry about Fred Warner, man. Fred Warner is absolutely i'll say he's absolutely incredible i think that he's an outstanding linebacker he's somebody that i really liked uh, when he was uh, when he was coming into the league and he's somebody that is athletic enough to really give alvin Kamara some trouble and so i think that that's one of the reasons why maybe this isn't the game that alvin Kamara has the big breakout game uh, but maybe it is the game to where the saints can still get churning on the ground in terms of rotating and utilizing both of these running backs alvin Kamara and latavius murray 
to a greater extent than what we've seen. We see them essentially get about a 70 to 30% snap share between the two of them in terms of touches, rather. Uh, When you look at Alvin Kamara, he's, of course, the 70. But you don't really see them get a ton outside of that in terms of what their snap counts are and the attention that they get on the field. And so when they produce, you generally see that get a little limited. You know, there was a game... Uh, two or three weeks ago to where Latavius Murray was averaging 9.1 yards per carry on the ground, but he only saw four carries. There was another game uh, this past week, actually, the the Saints with uh, against the Falcons, where Alvin Kamara was averaging 5.1 yards per carry on the ground. They gave him the ball 11 times. He got 11 carries. So I think that that's the big thing is if you're starting to see that kind of production out of these guys, and honestly, even if you're not, sticking to the ground game, rotating these guys and uh, making sure that you're keeping them fresh and continue to try to beat up on that uh, San Francisco defense as much as you can, uh, which is a tall order, of course. Uh, You have to be able to do that. And I think Fred Warner is going to be a big, big, big factor in what the Saints are going to be able to achieve on the ground throughout this game and even be able to achieve through the air with both of these guys as well as both of them do operate as pass catchers out of the backfield. Another key matchup in this game that I think will decide things is that 49ers front. We've talked about it a little bit already, but specifically Nick Bosa, who's PFF's number one in pass rush productivity as a rookie. He's been phenomenal. Everything the 49ers thought they would and hoped they would get out of their number two overall pick against potentially who's replacing Armstead at left tackle. That's a matchup where, obviously, if you're the 49ers, you're playing the New Orleans Saints. You want to get to Drew Brees. That's one of the biggest keys every team probably says going Mm -hmm. into New Orleans, get after Drew Brees, get after the quarterback, and their entire line can do it. But Nick Bosa specifically, who lines up a lot at that right defensive end spot against the Saints' left tackle. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the questions that I was asked. I was doing a radio call a couple weeks ago, and I was asked, you know, where does Nick Bosa usually line up? Because they were really hoping that I was going to say on the defensive left, offensive right side, he'll be matched up with Ryan Ramchek. And that's just simply not the case. And because, you know, this was coming right off the Teron Armstead injury. And so everyone was kind of hoping like, okay, where is he going to be? Is it going to be all right? And this is big. This is huge. This is one of the reasons why it's imperative that if Teron Armstead is healthy enough to go and can be uh, efficient in this game and can be productive in this game that he's out there uh, because that's a huge matchup up against Nick Bosa and really the rest of that offensive line. The Saints offensive line has been interesting this year. They've performed really, really well against some top tier talent like J.J. Watt, Jadavion Clowney, Khalil Mack, but then have also struggled against defensive lines like they gave up six sacks to the Atlanta Falcons the first time that they played. They gave up a, quite a few sacks to the Jacksonville Jaguars as well, who have a little bit of a pass rush, but they're nowhere near on the same tier as the San Francisco 49ers. And so this is a big, big opportunity for this Saints offense, the offensive line, especially if uh, if Teron Armstead's good enough to go. This is a great opportunity for them to be able to kind of step up and go back to that, that top-level play that we've seen them do. But they've been so, I don't want to say inconsistent, but they, they have at times been a question mark for the Saints going in game to game. And so this will be a really interesting one to see and something to really track because that's a big matchup that either looks you know, one way in terms of a good matchup to where you've got two people that are, you know, very, very good going up against each other and Nick Bosa and Tron Armstead, or you have a completely outweighted matchup in Patrick Omame against Nick Bosa. Yeah. And you certainly, if you're a Saints fan, want the former as opposed to the latter. And D Ford might be coming back from his hamstring injury, at least enough to be able to be a situational pass rusher in this one. So that will help the 49ers have that speed again, coming off the other side. He's been out for a couple of weeks. We talked about Michael Thomas already versus the 49ers secondary, and that will definitely be a group effort for the 49ers. But uh, with the 49ers offense and George Kittle, 
Mm-hmm. How do you see that matchup with the Saints linebackers and safety? Because uh, George Kittle, first of all, doesn't get the credit he deserves as a blocker. And you, you'll see it. He'll block somebody off of the TV screen. He does it every single week. He's that kind of a player. And he makes an impact in both the, r- the run and the pass. But his ability to not only get open and make plays, but make plays after the catch is, has been phenomenal. Yeah, I was shocked to see the George Kittle not much of a blocker evaluation hitting the airwaves here recently. I was <laughs> yeah, really shocked to see that, especially considering one. that so much of the uh, so much of the San Francisco 49ers run game comes from the outside run, and a lot of that has to do with what George Kittle provides as a blocker. So it's just interesting to me to see that, and I so I, I love that you're tackling that, uh, <laughs> that you're challenging that because it's a really important designation that i don't know where that came from but again it's a hot take machine that's what it is that's why people listen to us here instead of in the national media uh but when it comes to that matchup i mean look von bell in terms of the safeties that might match up with george kittle von bell is a, a a good candidate for that he's shown to be very physical he's shown to be somebody that's gotten better and better in coverage uh he's gonna be severely uh out outmatched in terms of you know, size against a guy like George Kittle, but he's physical enough that he's somebody that I can imagine Dennis Allen trusting uh, from time to time to match up with George Kittle. There's also the linebackers there, Demario Davis, of course, being the Saints' absolute best linebacker, one of the best linebackers that they've had uh, in recent history. I mean, you know, there's the Dome Patrol linebackers and you've got Jonathan Vilma, and then I'm pretty, pretty ready to argue that Demario Davis is right there with them. But or right there with Jonathan Vilma, but uh, he isn't really, honestly, he's not fantastic in coverage, but he does everything else well in terms of being a guy that can, um, you know, that can stop the run, that can be a force in the run game, and that can affect the quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how much they use him, and if they do use him as a linebacker in coverage. Bringing back Manti Teo, that's fantastic, because potentially Kiko Alonso is kind of day-to-day, but he's not somebody I would ever trust in coverage. Same for Kiko Alonso if he was on the field. So it's really going to kind of come down to the defensive backs and in particular the safeties, Von Bell. And I would say too, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, CJ Gardner-Johnson, who we just mentioned out of the slot, depending upon how many wide receivers are on the field, if they march him out to match up with George Kittle as well, which I think George Kittle would probably welcome. That's the thing about him is that he's big enough to really outmatch these uh, secondary guys, these safeties, and he's fast enough to you know completely outpace the linebackers. So it'd be really interesting to see how the Saints handle him and what they do and uh, how they key in on him with the defense. That's a good call on the Gardner-Johnson thing. That, that might be a, a sort of a sneaky X factor in coming in on, especially on third downs, to try to cover someone like George Kittle. That, that will be mm-hmm. interesting to see if he gets utilized. Uh, we're almost out of time here. we got to be quick with our predictions, Ross. Right now, the New Orleans Saints at home favored by two and a half. Yeah, so basically they are, this is essentially a push, but with home field advantage for the most part. And so this game, Vegas seems to be as unsure about this game as I feel as well. Um, I do uh, want to keep this interesting, and I welcome all San Francisco 49ers fans in my mentions, again, at (laughs) on Twitter, at Ross Jackson ASC. I do think that the Saints can win this game. I'm daring. I'm daring. I know it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that the Saints can win this game, and the home crowd is going to be a big part of this. I look at that being a big factor in terms of, you know, we talked about key matchups. Jimmy Garoppolo versus the Superdome, I think, is a pretty big one as well. And, uh, and I think that that's going to end up playing a big key for what the Saints are going to be able to do here at home. We haven't seen the best of the Saints offense yet. This would be a hell of a time for them to finally figure out a time to get it together and to get that right. 
And if it comes down to a field goal, I'm very confident in the Saints special teams and Will Lutz as a kicker as well. And I think that that's probably about what this game is going to be. So I look at this one as being kind of a 30 to 27 win for the Saints. I think it's going to be very, very close. I think it's going to be very, uh, very competitive. But uh, I do think that the Saints can walk away with a win and a more commanding uh, number one seed as opposed to kind of the artificial number one seed that they're carrying around right now. Yeah, and I was actually surprised to see the over-under fairly low at 44. And uh, I've been telling my 49ers listeners, I picked the Ravens to beat the 49ers by three last week, and I was on that. And it's funny because Vegas has really been hedging with the 49ers because the home team in all the last three matchups at home against the Packers, then on the road against Baltimore, and on the road now against the Saints, that uh, the Mm -hmm. home team has been favored you know, by about a field goal there, the home team was favored by a little bit more last week. I think they were favored by six, which I thought was too much against the Ravens with how good the 49ers are, even being on the road. And you don't love playing in the Superdome, but I really think the matchup is really good here for the 49ers with the way their defense plays against pocket quarterbacks. And I think they're going to give Drew Brees all he can handle. And by the way, I don't know why the Saints are playing their second best quarterback when they've got an undefeated quarterback sitting on the bench. (laughs) Please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, I I love Drew Brees. I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl coming in. They're a really good team. I don't like that the 49ers are playing this one in the Superdome, but I really like the matchup for the 49ers and that D-line getting after Drew Brees. And I think the 49ers are going to bounce back. And I have a feeling the 49ers are going to show up in a big way against the Saints on the road. They don't have to travel back and forth. They're hanging out in Florida this week, so travel might not be as much of a factor. Uh, That's so, smart. Yeah, That's and smart. I like that, and it worked out really well for the 49ers between week one and two, and they stayed in Youngstown, Ohio. So I've got the 49ers, and I think they're going to bounce back big and win by about 10 points, 30-20. to 20. Love it, man. Love it. Can't wait for this matchup. I think this is going to be one for the books for this year, for sure. I think this could easily be uh, one of the best games of the season. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ross. Again, you can find Ross, all of you 49ers fans out there that did not like him picking against your team. They went hard after Peter Bukowski of Locked on Packers, too. It was really I love it. I love Um, passion, man. I love it so much. You can find Ross on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock Ross a lot of fun thank you so much looking forward to this one absolutely man thank you so much